0: Hey guys, welcome to Five Lights F1. I'm Prashast Pitti and here we discuss all things Formula 1. The grid is set, green flags, lights out, let's go! So we have Sukriti here with us today to discuss the Australian Grand Prix and for a change she's actually going to be asking me the questions this weekend. Hi Sukriti, how are you?
1: Hi, I'm good.
0: Uh, It was an exciting race weekend, uh, fulfilled with all kinds of action and drama. And yeah, I I hope your questions reflect that.
1: Yeah, we were racing in Australia uh, after 2019. So, um, it was a really looked forward to race on the calendar. Uh, My first question for you has to be about Sergio Perez. Um, He struggled through qualifying last year with Max beating him 22 Uh, in a qualifying head-to-head and you know we've seen last year that his strength has basically been in preserving his tires and you know uh, going in for late pit pit stops and he's largely made his way back up the grid because his qualifying has been so poor but in the last race he took pole and uh, this uh, uh, this race too he seemed to match max on pace so where has this uh, confidence and where has this quality pace come from?
0: so i think there are a couple of uh, things at play here one is uh, i think the car definitely is suiting him a little more this season as opposed to last season whether that's because he's had a hand in helping develop the car i don't know but uh, the car seems to be oversteering a little bit more than uh, perhaps in the past a red bull would and he seems to like that driving style. It, it seems to suit him a lot more definitely than Max. We've seen Max struggle yeah. uh, with the, the balance of, of his car throughout this weekend. And he's made no two bones about it. Like even after the race and the interviews, he's pretty clearly come out and said that he's not had a very good weekend at all. He never found or was never comfortable in the car this weekend, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that is one of the key things where the balance of the car is suiting him. Suiting Perez more than Max for sure yeah. and uh, and and the reasons for that I think are that a one is he, it, it could be because he's had a hand in actually developing this this year's car and you know it being completely new ground up development uh, he had an equal say in quotation <laughs> marks <laughs> uh, as as does, as did Max uh, but
1: this is a team that has said that you know Max's car is undrivable for another driver. I mean, they've made no bones of uh, of that as a fact, and you know it's always been said that the second seat of Red Bull is so difficult to like fill the shoes of that because that car is built for Max. So it's it, it's it's interesting to see uh, to think that they would uh, develop it to Perez's liking.
0: I think more than develop it to Perez's liking. Uh... I think perhaps the inherent nature of the car itself is uh, to be a little bit oversteery. Like it, I mean, whether it was developed over seasons, uh, but last year's car was inherently towards Max's liking. Um, I think maybe the inherent nature of this car is to oversteer a little bit and it's just taken Perez. Uh, it's just made him more comfortable and it's not really helped Max and Max has not been able to adapt his driving style uh, towards that, right and unfortunately for Max it's not, it's showing, I mean like you said, he's been at par, Perez has been at par with Max during qualifying and in the races also we've seen him pretty close and you know up there in the mix in the top four, yeah
1: does Do you think it also matters this is the first time Max is going through a regulation change? He debuted in 2014.
0: I'm sure it makes a huge difference, right? And perhaps this is where Sergio's experience is also coming in. He's been in F1 for so long. He's driven for so many different teams and so many different styles of yeah. cars as well, yeah. right? Uh, versus Max has pretty much been with Red Bull, I think, throughout his entire F1 career. Yeah. Uh, whether it was no, AlphaTauri, I, yeah. uh, I mean, Terror also at that point, and then yeah. Red Bull. So, uh, maybe this is like a, a new thing for uh, Max, which is having to adapt his driving style to the car, rather than have a car developed around him, right? So, yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out for the rest of the year yeah. and the rest of the season. And I mean, we see at the moment, Perez is leading Max in the Drivers' Championship. so. Uh, whether it ends up like that at the end, who knows. <laughs>
1: yeah, by 5 points and that's only because Max like, DNF'd today. Yeah. Um, but that, that sort of brings me to a question about uh, teammate dynamics, right? And I think there are some really interesting ones developing uh, uh, this year. Uh, like you mentioned, Perez is ahead of uh, Verstappen, currently in the Drivers' Championship, but that's unfortunately due to Max's uh, engine troubles. Um, Russell and Hamilton seemed really well matched, it sort of seemed like there was a chance we would see the kind of racing Alonso and Ocon uh, engaged in last uh, uh, last race in Saudi Arabia, but that was not to be. I'm not sure if some version of team orders came in into play. Um, Ferrari has like made this push and said that uh, you know, in a bid for like fairness, both cars will get developments uh, uh, at the same time. So uh, the diffuser will, uh, even though they had one, it, it, the, the update will come only in Imola so that both cars get it. Um, do you think we're going to see a lot more of teammates challenging each other and like fighting for wins or like fighting for that podium position? Or, or do you think it's just going to be quietly managed uh, by the teams uh, <laughs> over team radio?
0: I think it will depend. I definitely do think we're going to see a lot more in Intra team rivalry than we have perhaps have in the last uh, couple of seasons. A, because I mean it is a development season, right? So, who uh, better to understand your vehicle than your teammate? So, to explore the weaknesses and strengths of both the car and your driving style, right? Than your teammate. So, I definitely think like this is a season where we're going to have some uh, rocky moments between teammates. Uh, like we already saw between the the uh, with the Alpine sc- uh, scrap last last race, and that was a good clean fight. But in the past, we've seen teammate fights are not always clean, right? I mean, Sebastian Vettel and Charles Leclerc come to mind in Ferrari. Yeah. And uh,
1: Hamilton and Rosberg is like yeah. every team's. And let's it. not
0: even like go oh. to like Max Verstappen versus uh, Mark Weber. Uh, sorry, Daniel Ricciardo versus Max Verstappen. So, yeah. so that that like that takes it to a whole different level in Baku. But um, yeah, it's it's certainly going to be really interesting to see how uh, teams manage their two drivers. Like I feel like we clearly got to see uh, uh, team orders play out with Mercedes this race. I think it was pretty evident that they told them to hold station and yeah. simple as that. right? Hamilton came on the radio and said that uh, you made it really challenging for me guys. But yeah. So I think that was some sort of indication in terms of there was some kind of team orders there. But Binotto has gone on record saying that both drivers are going to be free to fight. Yeah. right? And, and, and it's
1: un- really unfortunate that science isn't up there fighting. Yeah. Even like Helmut Marcos come out and said that we actually thought that. You know they'd be taking points off each other and mm-hmm. so that would be advantage to redwood but yeah. that hasn't been the case but do you really think that if ferrari is fighting for the championship and look clearly at this point it's it's only three races in but he has double the points of everybody else so do you really think they're going to let uh science at this point fight with them i mean it's three races in so a lot has happened
0: i think martin brundle said it uh, uh, at the end of the race right it is going to be Uh, The advantage is going to be skewed towards Leclerc. And he said it, right? It's it's going to be even more difficult for science because Leclerc is naturally going to have the advantage in that team. Uh, But I actually think we're seeing a slightly different Ferrari than from the past. Uh, I feel like perhaps five races or six races in, they will have a clear number one and a number two driver, if at all if it continues the way it is, yeah. right? But if Sainz actually performs up to his potential and is fighting with Leclerc for pole and for that race win for the next three races, yeah, I think it's going to be even Stevens for them and they're going to keep it like that uh, uh, till the end of the season. Unless and until in the next five to six races, like things don't, things change. don't change. So mm. I think that's going to be the case. But down the order, I don't know. I think McLaren is still they've said that they're gonna let their drivers fight. Yeah. Uh Alpine clearly Alpine did Alpine clearly did. Yeah. I actually don't see Mercedes letting their drivers fight. I just think they're gonna be scrapping away for every possible point they can get and they're gonna be extremely conservative when it comes down to it. What do you think about Mercedes? Do you think we're gonna see George Russell versus Hamilton?
1: So um, I think it's interesting for Hamilton to be the one uh, to be told to hold position right? because all of these years it's always been uh, Bottas who's been given that order so I somehow don't see either of the two drivers uh, being okay with being told to hold position so um, yeah I, I think I, I don't think they're going to be able to keep up the team orders uh, bit for long somehow i i, I think it will just get to a point where one of them doesn't listen uh, like sebastian Vettel and mark Webber yeah back in 2009 10 yeah. whenever that was
0: um yeah it's going to be really interesting to see how toto manages these two uh, like personalities right this like so uh, uh they're very similar in that sense that they don't want to give up yeah uh, i think you saw like a brilliant uh, uh uh, example of that with the radio exactly yeah. right uh, this race where uh, uh, Russell came out of the radio and he was asked by his uh, race engineer to like let Perez go if it was harming his tyres because yeah. they'd rather get points and he said that's really disappointing to hear yeah. and yeah. it didn't seem like he gave away that position right he still fought every single lap for it so it's going to be really interesting to see how Toto manages the two
1: Another um, sort of uh, question that's that I do want to put across to you is, uh, you know, after the trauma of last year's final race in Abu Dhabi, uh, there was this major revamp to the entire F1 governance system and two new race directors have come in and they've set up this virtual uh, race control room. This weekend had a lot of rules and regulations being enforced. Uh, is it working? Is their new system of governance any good?
0: Uh, I think it is, uh, for the most part, I'll put it that way, because I think on-track, during the race, we are seeing uh, decisions made quicker. A good example was Stroll, uh, immediately after his weaving on the straight to prevent cars from overtaking him. He was handed a five-second penalty pretty much, I think, in the next lap after investigation. I assume that in a system like it was last year that could have taken perhaps two or three laps before mm-hmm. uh, a decision like that was made uh, and yeah, I think generally the decisions that they've made during races in the past three races have been pretty good uh, in terms of uh, making sure that the drivers are within rules and uh, the limits of the, of the Grand Prix, right but mm-hmm. there have been a couple of really questionable things i mean uh, talk of like fireproof underwear and that that whole yeah. like scenario is something that i just don't understand yeah it's come
1: up out of nowhere suddenly exactly. where they've mandated now that a lot of drivers have not been wearing fireproof underwear and therefore must start wearing fireproof underwear from a safety perspective but i suppose my question is just how are you going to ensure that the rules being followed
0: i think that's everybody's question right but like and the other really questionable thing was was supposedly they removed one drs zone 14 minutes prior to uh, fp3 yeah right and aston martin was one team that clearly came out and said look we are delaying our start because we want to make changes to stroll's car to suit the track and the changes made to the, the track and with the removal of that DRS zone and I think several drivers even after the race were talking about how perhaps it didn't make the most sense from a safety perspective to remove that DRS zone yeah. because uh, with the DRS zone there the pop would reduce yeah. and therefore the cars would be that much easier to control um, but I had a question regarding DRS Anyway, which yeah. was, um, I thought that DRS detection zones for this race were a little weird.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask you that why did they, sorry, why did they have four zones to begin with and why was, why, why is it so messed up?
0: Yeah, I think the simple reason for them to have four DRS zones to begin with was to like try and like relive or try and invoke the same amount of drama as saudi arabia and perhaps to a certain extent bahrain as well yeah um i don't think this is a track which inherently allows so much overtaking yeah uh, so i think the and, and even with the changes they've made and relayed the surface after like for the first time since like the adventure, yeah. advent of the australian grand prix i still don't think it's a track that's very easy to overtake at and i think they just the drs zones they were trying to maximize the number of the, the opportunities that the drivers would have to uh, you know make those moves but i really found like you were saying that the, the, it is a little messed up because there was an incident between hamilton and alonso right where uh, this was before alonso pitted hamilton overtook alonso at just before, like the second DRS zone, you know, zone he overtook him on the start finish straight and in the second DRS zone, Hamilton still had DRS and Alonso didn't because the detection point like- is so much earlier. So yeah. I didn't understand that with, as opposed to in uh, Saudi yeah. Arabia, yeah. it ended up being that the driver who got overtaken had the DRS. So they could like, you know, swap position so many times. It wasn't yeah. the case in Australia. Here. yeah. So that was my question to you that wasn't it a little weird like the, the, the DRS zones and like the DRX detection zones or do you think it was a result of removing that one DRS uh, zone? Yeah,
1: see DRS is anyway, um, the vein of existence in my opinion in this sport, it's come to a point where nobody can make an overtake without DRS. And all of these regulation changes that they've been promising are going to make racing better, are going to make racing better have worked to the extent where cars are able to follow much more closely sure but you still need the DRS to overtake in most cases what they do to change that I don't know uh, I don't think it's the uh, removal of the fourth DRS zone that has messed it up I think they anyway have a lot of chaos in figuring out where the detection point should it should be should it be before the corner after the corner and that wasn't the case in Australia, but in a lot of other circuits, the the length of the DRS zone itself is too much. So they really need to figure how they fix DRS in general. Uh, I don't think these new regulations have managed to make it go away just yet.
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be like a season-long struggle for them to actually and figure it out and i think we're going to be seeing like changes to the drs zones and the length of the drs the implementation of it only next season personally i don't see
1: them revamping it
0: this year because simulations can't make them make those changes right it's only Mm -hmm. when the cars are actually on track that they see what's working and what isn't so that's my opinion but i don't know It remains to be seen yeah
1: but then by next year you'll have a team that's developed so well they are clear ahead of the pack anyway and then it will be like oh bring DRS back because otherwise it's just boring yeah another bit about the regulations right um, they sort of uh, came up and announced that uh, after a safety car like when a safety car is ending you can no longer um, accelerate or brake at an erratic pace and you need to maintain a certain uh, consistency of speed uh, effectively uh, banning the kind of tactics that Max has become famous for, because he used them uh, at the safety car restart in Abu Dhabi last year, and that's how he overtook Lewis and won the championship. And then, and both safety car restarts in uh, Bahrain as well as Saudi, he was sort of pulling up against Charles and um, you know almost getting ahead of him. Um, do you think it's unfair of them to sort of? Uh, in that sense, I have not seen any other driver uh, perform that kind of move uh, during a safety car restart. So a lot of people could construe it as being a regulation that's biased against Max So that's coming at Max. But do you think a move like that, is, irrespective of who the driver is, right? Perhaps if, if Max was leading the race today and it was Charles at the safety car restart, perhaps Charles would have done the same thing. But do you think banning a move like that is is okay? Or uh, do you think that eventually it'll get to a point where, you know, what you can do and can't do is so policed that uh, uh, it will only be at one part of the track with DRS on that you're able to overtake and then in the next lap, the guy who overtook overtakes you and
0: I think that's how, that's like, where F1, ke- like that's the point that F1 had reached by last season, right, which was It's only one point in the track where you can overtake with F1 and they've made these like humongous rule changes so that that doesn't happen. So I really hope it doesn't come down to that. I actually am probably going to go against the tide and say it is a little unfair because you are taking away a little more strategic thinking away from the drivers and like enforcing something. Sure, if it was a safety issue, like it seemed to be uh, in this race between that that incident between... uh, uh, Yuki Sonoda and Schumacher during the safety car period where uh, uh, Yuki immediately accelerated and immediately slammed the brakes and I think Schumacher just because of his quick reflexes all like missed him by like a whisker. Uh, so a situation like that is a definite safety concern and like in tracks like Saudi Arabia we saw last season how dangerous that could be with cars suddenly coming stationary and the cars behind them not having time to react right? Yeah. But what Max was doing, of course, was uh, distracting to the driver yeah. uh, who was he was doing it, too. But I don't think it was a safety issue and it worked out for him last season in Abu Dhabi. Uh, but this season, if you see uh, against Charles, Charles actually put him in a place where he wasn't really uh, uh, he wasn't really given an advantage because he was next to Charles. because. He had a worse exit to that penultimate yeah. corner and therefore like... Uh, Which is
1: again strategically combating what somebody else exactly, is doing.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So in that sense, I think it's a little unfair that they're policing it so much.
1: Yeah. Because like another driver like Hamilton's habit is always when he's lining up further back on the grid to come slower so that you know the guy that's sitting in P1, his tires cool down.
0: Yeah.
1: So then at this point, are you going to say that no, you can't drive? you have to line up on the grid within X number of seconds of the guy in front of you
0: yeah so it's these things right it's essentially you have rules and then the driver should be allowed to like play around within those rules and the more you're going to constrict them like there is a time limit within which you have to come back to the grid right except the drivers will like hamilton maximize that time yeah and like probably go to the last millisecond of it right so reducing that then obviously make means that they have to get to the grid quicker. So I think they should let the drivers make tactical decisions like that and help them, which which will increase the spectacle of the sport rather than police it so strongly that you have a situation like last year where it came to a point where only one point in the track people could overtake with DMS. Yeah. I know
1: we're only um, 3 races into a 23 race season so perhaps it's like too soon to talk about city season but uh, it's also F1 so it's uh, never really it's too soon to talk about who may or may not have a seat next year I mean someone just ask Pierre Gasly and he'll tell you um, but uh, <laughs> specifically though let's talk about Latifi. Nicholas Latifi hasn't had a single clean weekend Albon has come in after not racing in F1 for an entire year, and in two out of three races, he's done better than than Latifi. He's climbed up today from P20 to P10, okay, and done 57 laps on a hard tyre. Pirelli said that the tyre was good for 40 laps. Managed to finish P10. gotten Williams their first point for this year. Stroll and Vettel have had a disastrous weekend with Aston Martin and uh, that team just seems to be unravelling. Oscar Piastri has not been shy about wanting a seat at Alpine in 2023. He's, he's not hiding that as a fact. And Alonso was asked about it in the press conference and his answer to that was that he beat Ocon in 2023 implying that if there's anybody better here it's, it's him and it's Alonso so we don't disagree. So who do you Think you're going
0: to be seeing leaving at the end of the year? That's a really good question. Uh, personally, I don't see Vettel uh coming back uh, next season. Uh I don't think Aston. I don't think Stroll will want him. And and by Stroll, I mean Lawrence Stroll will want him anymore. Uh it is unfortunate, of course, he missed the first two races due to COVID, and he is playing catch-up to that extent. But even then, like he's had a supremely messy weekend, right? He's crashed so many times. And with the budget caps coming in, he doesn't seem as fast as his teammate. So I don't see him returning. That, that's point number one. Uh, point number two, regarding Alpine, it's a very interesting conundrum for Alpine because they do have three drivers for two seats. and. Unfortunately, it is a toss-up between Ocon and Alonso this season at least. Uh, I think it's too early for them to make any sort of decision. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a really tough decision for them to make. I don't know which way they're going to be leaning. Yeah. And it's going to be really unfortunate if Oscar Piastin doesn't have a seat in F1 again. Yeah. Um, regarding Latifi and Albon and Perez and Gasly and Hamilton and there are so many drivers whose... Futures in that sense Are a little uncertain You know Perez's contract Is up at the season mm-hmm. Gasly's contract Is up at the season End of the season Yeah
1: um, And Gasly hasn't been sh- Like shying away From the fact that If he doesn't get That promotion Up to Red Bull He may or may not Want to stay With Alpha Dori
0: Yeah but where does he go Right That's the question uh, At this point I don't see Hamilton Hanging up his boots So I don't think That seat is going to Be opening up it, It's It's going to be very very interesting toto so,
1: has already come out and said that hamilton is loving what he's doing and he's in the best shape for yeah. uh, ever so he doesn't see him uh, leaving next season for least, like right. another couple of years yeah so
0: i mean you have fernando alonso who's driving like at 40. at 40 41 and like he's competing with these really young kids who are probably half his age and still coming out on top so if hamilton can be like half as good and we know how talented Hamilton is I don't see him leaving the sport for a while so it's a brilliant question that you've come up with and silly season is gonna be a talking point I think for the entirety of this season I don't know what to (laughs) say at this point I told you my prediction is definitely Vettel's not coming back I think mentally he's at a space where uh, it seems like he comes across as having moved on from F1. Uh, but obviously, like I could be proven wrong in the next 20 races to come <laughs> yeah. this season. So that's going to be my prediction for... Uh, uh, Contracts
1: are usually done by August. I so, know.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. We don't have to wait about 20 races to know. Yeah. Uh, but you see Latifi's day.
0: I think Latifi brings in a lot of money. Uh, and my question is, if not Latifi, who at Williams? And what is the impact of Latifi leaving going to be? Yeah. I feel like if they get some kind of sponsors or different financial compensation, definitely Latifi out, because I think there are enough young drivers in the wings, Oscar Piastri, Nick DeVries, uh, just to name a couple. Um, but yeah, if they don't, I, I don't think they'll have a choice but to stick with Latifi. Uh, which is really unfortunate. Uh, because I don't see Latifi competing at the same level uh, as... I mean, we've seen how much Russell has outperformed him last season, right? And the season before that as well. And uh, in these three races, I think Albon has performed outperformed Latifi in pretty much every single day. Except for that... I think the second race, neither of them finished. Yeah. Uh, and Latifi seemed so far off the pace, even during today's race. Yeah. So it just seems like he's not getting the best out of that car. And But I, I don't at the same time, I still feel like they won't have a choice but to go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So given the events of this race, Sukriti, who, who was your driver of the day?
1: um i think it has to be um alex albon you know he got disqualified from qualifying for not being able to produce a one liter sample of fuel um bringing back memories of sebastian vettel at um, baku last year um no not baku 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 last Hungary.
0: year Hungary yeah, hungry hungry last year,
1: year. Uh, but um yeah to go from p20 to p10 and of course he had like all of the luck with you know the safety car and uh sort of jumping ahead of a whole bunch of people because he started on the hard tire and he was running p7 and you know we saw like 40 45 50 laps tick by and i had this question that ha- has has like someone at williams forgotten that uh, they need him to stop and change his tires but um yeah just i, I thought like a really well handled race i would not have said that Williams would walk away from this race scoring a point. Uh, if seeing the seeing the practice session, seeing qualifying, that is not a prediction I would have made. So uh, a really nice drive from uh, his side.
0: Yeah, I mean it was brilliant from him. I don't think anybody saw Williams <laughs> scoring points this season, this this race. Sorry. Um, so yeah, I, I can understand why he's your driver. The Mine has to be, of course, Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Why I mean, are we
1: even asking you?
0: Yeah, but like, it's it's Ferrari's first Grand Slam since 2010. And that means that it's the first time a Ferrari driver has won pole, has won the race and the fastest lap all in the same weekend. And I think Charles drove like an imperious race. Uh, he was, he led from start to finish. The one tiny mistake he made was in the second restart. Mm-hmm. But even then... I thought it was brilliant that he, um, like, within the first, like within the next, like, first three corners of the track, he pulled out a half a second lead over Verstappen, despite making that mistake. So, nobody could touch him today. So, mm-hmm. he's definitely my driver of the day. Didn't make any mistakes and didn't have to come onto the radio and say, I'm stupid. So, I'm very happy about that.
1: Yeah, except for the part where um, they told him that he already had the fastest lap and nobody was... Um, You know, there was no chance anyone was was going to match Ferrari's pace. And he said, okay, but okay. As though he couldn't comprehend the fact that he already had the fastest lap. Yeah, I I, I think that has some potential for I am stupid memes. But anyway.
0: (laughs) You know, I still have like a point of contention to that because at the last lap, Alonso was really closing in on him. And uh, he actually went for the fastest lap on the last lap of the race. And it's a good thing he got it because Alonso made... Like, Alonso's lap was quicker than his previous best. Yeah. And so he wouldn't have finished with the fastest lap. But anyway, um, yeah, moving on. <laughs> what was your Five Lights moment uh, of the race to Kriti? That, that moment where, you know, it got your adrenaline pumping or like your heart stopping. Um, yeah.
1: So for me, um, in the most heartbreaking of fashions, it's um, science... Uh, Making a mistake and thinking his tires were warmed up when, like, they weren't in a position to uh, really go at it, and he went off into the grass and then, like, came back on track and got stuck, and just yeah, it's his first DNF with Ferrari. Uh, It's the first time he hasn't finished the race. He's had he's finished every single race in 2021, so it was just. Just beyond heartbreaking, and I think he's just had such an unlucky um, weekend with the red flag and qualifying. Uh, you know, stopping him from uh, registering a time in Q three, and then uh, engine troubles with the car uh, not starting. So his second run was compromised, and then he had issues with his steering wheel at the start of the race as well, with like a couple of buttons not working. So. Yeah, my 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 five lights moment was um, was him not finishing the, this race. It just it broke my heart. And like if I could have reset uh, the race at that point, I would have. But yeah, I think you know I think he knows it's um it's now or never. Like he's finally in a car that is capable of winning um, races. Ch- his teammate Charles has won two out of three um, races. So I think he like this mistake is because he's perhaps putting a little too much pressure on himself to get that first win so I think the minute he actually gets it like the minute he gets that first win we're going to see um, a different Carlos because that pressure will go away and I really wish um, Charles the very best of luck for when that happens he made it.
0: Interesting Uh, I 100% agree with you about the pressure of being like Charles' teammate that Who has won two races out of three? Perhaps. I don't think it's
1: the pressure of being Charles' teammate. I think it's the pressure of getting your first win. Fair,
0: okay. Yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Um,
1: Because he was Charles' teammate last year as well, and he loved him. So I I don't know how much it is about Charles. I think it's about having a race-winning car and knowing that you're you're not the one winning the race. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Um, My five lights moment was lap twenty-three, the second restart after Vettel's. crash yeah that moment which uh, you know where before the first corner Charles went like understeered white and there was a moment where Verstappen had half a chance to overtake him I thought that was so like it it stopped my heart for a <laughs> beat because I was like oh my god no this cannot happen uh but yeah it was brilliant from him to have like recover so quickly uh, from there uh, so yeah, I, that was definitely my five lights moment. Um
1: Get to Imola next week, uh, next to next week, in two weeks.
0: Yes, it's coming to first Imola, sprint first season. sprint of the season. What are your predictions for the weekend?
1: So Red Bulls had a disastrous uh, weekend, right, with reliability. They've had Max's car DNF um, and uh, we don't know what the cause is yet, presumably once they investigate and put out whatever fabricated statement they do. We shall uh, have an idea of what it is. Um, boarding really well for Red Bull power trains. Um,
0: Who are so, supposedly in talks with Borshaha <laughs> huh, to take over. But anyway, yeah. according to Christian Horner at least. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, I just hope that deal hasn't been negotiated because now they'll have like better negotiating power. <laughs> um, so keeping that in mind, I would say that... Um, I, I don't expect to see Red Bull doing very well next week Okay. I don't think the momentum is With them right now yeah. So I see Ferrari And Mercedes fighting it out I'm not fighting it out because Ferrari is Like a, a level ahead but I, I Do see Mercedes being there In like the top 5
0: So I uh, I'm also going to say that uh, Ferrari is probably going to continue their Strong run dare I say, strong bull run. Um,
1: They're going home though. So, I mean, not home-home, but home.
0: Yeah, I mean, like traditionally last few seasons, uh, the Italian Grand Prix have not been very favorable for Ferraris.
1: Monza 2020 was particularly lovely, with both uh, Sebastian and uh, Charles Charles, uh, crashing out of the race.
0: Yeah, I sincerely hope that doesn't happen, but I, I, I see them having a very, very strong weekend. Their car is already seems to be like the one to beat this season. And they seem supposedly they're going to be getting uh, some upgrades to their car uh, for for the Imola race weekend. And so, yeah, I do see their strong run continuing. And yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think uh, it's going to be a tough fight between Red Bull and Mercedes. Uh, We've already seen this race, how uh, The Mercedes and race trim is almost as quick as the Red Bull Hmm. with with the battle between Hamilton and Perez. Uh, So, yeah, it's going to be a really tight top six, I think, uh, between uh, Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes for sure. Uh,
1: And any uh, crazy midfield predictions? We had eight teams uh, score points in Australia. Uh, and all but Aston Martin have scored a point because Haas has scored points in the first two races of the season. So, any any predictions for, the, for place 7, 8, 9, 10?
0: I'm going to say that we're going to see an Alpine in the top 10 for sure. Okay. We're going to see uh, an Alfa Romeo in the what top is 10 a, for
1: sure. There are 10 teams. Okay. You're just going to I'm mention gonna the teams. i going to
0: say we're going to see Alonso, Bottas, and um, I'm going to say Norris in the top 10
1: that's hardly wild but okay
0: uh,
1: um okay
0: do you have any wild predictions for I, the movie
1: i uh, think we're going to see gasly i think we're going to see mick score point interesting and um i think we're going to see guanyu in the top 10
0: okay that is a wild prediction yeah <laughs> well I, I look forward to seeing and then discussing this with you Uh, uh, that next weekend, uh, uh, the next race weekend, Supruti. Thanks so much for taking over hosting duties for this race and I look forward to uh, seeing you very, very soon on the podcast again.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks a lot. Hmm? Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 5lights underscore F1 for the latest from the world of Formula 1. Cheers. Have a great night.